That's a slot drop. I can answer that. That's a slot drop. What is that move? That's a slot drop. What's up, wrestling nerds? Welcome back to the Slop Drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Whoopig Sumo on Twitter, and we are joined by the co-host, the voice of the Twin Lakes Sports Network, the Loose Cannon, David McVie. Well, man, I am still alive, despite what the rumors are saying, and I am pumped, ready to be back on the number one rated podcast, the Slop Drop. Let's kick off with some of the headlines that uh, came out this week. Seems like we've talked about this before. The Revival apparently has not re-signed and has requested their release from the WWE. Well, is the Revival AEW bound? I think that's my question. Uh, Seems like they're going back and forth. I think Vince is not going to put up with that for much longer. It wouldn't surprise me if they get the release soon. See, I don't ask my audience what they want. I tell them what they want. I tell them what they want, and then they like it. Could be a bargaining tool, but like you said, he may get fed up with it and say, okay, there's the door. Uh, Someone else that uh, possibly a bargaining situation, Rusev. I know his wife, Lana, just re-signed for five years, but apparently he has not. Could he be on his way out? I just don't understand why Rusev seems to have so much trouble with management. Uh, I, I mean, I think he has so much potential. He's been so misused, putting some of the worst storylines of all time. I would, I would hate for to see him leave the WWE, but who knows? I mean, in a company like AEW or NWA, uh, he might get a chance to be the star that he is. Two people that are definitely in WWE speculation for a while. Tim Thatcher, who we recently seen in MLW, and Killer Cross, formerly of Impact, huge get on both those guys. My question is, will Killer Cross get to keep his name Killer, or will Vince make him drop it? I got a feeling the Killer's going to be leaving uh, Cross. <laughs> uh, uh, what was the old uh, 90s uh, um, band that they – it was like a little boy band. Uh, I, I can't Chris remember what, what Yeah, Chris Cross. That's probably, probably going to be his new name is going to be Chris Cross. I hope not, man. With like 90s, dressed in like 90s attire with the MC Hammer pants. Comes out with his pants on backwards. Oh, man, I hope not. He's a huge talent. Um, big get for them. Spe- speaking of uh, huge talent, John Cena tells Sports Illustrated that he thinks Brock Lesnar is the best there is today. Let's do this! I mean, I- I'm not a Brock Lesnar mark, but I-, I mean, I think pound for pound, I think he's probably pretty much up there. I mean, think about all he's done in his career uh, not just inside uh, WWE, but outside in this second coming of him. The last five years has just been dominant, like something we haven't seen in years and years. I mean, he he's he's really had a second career in the WWE. Greatest, uh, definitely, I think, of this current crop that's out there. And I know fans hate to hear that, but, I mean, it's the truth. He delivers. He does. But greatest of all time, probably not. But, I mean, he's up there, and he's continuing to go further and further. I'm a huge Lester fan. I think he does an awesome job. People hate him because guess what? You're supposed to hate him. He makes exactly, you hate him. exactly. Isn't that what a heel's supposed to do? Uh, and speaking of him, I think he wants to do some work with our truth. I read earlier. He's pitching ideas for him and our truth to work together. So that's pretty cool. 
I'd like to see him and R-Truth, even like uh, Shelton Benjamin. I really like how they teased at the yeah. Rumble. That a little bit of a reunion there, the respect, and then and the then Minnesota stretching crew. Dude, put them together. Maybe that'll give Shelton Benjamin the push and the rub that he's been trying to get for 15 years. <laughs> Poor guy, so athletic, so talented. But like you said, uh, MIA for 15 years. Uh, WWE stocks dropped this week. Do you think that will affect anything future uh, as, a, you know, as far as programming or maybe the XFL? You're, you're our XFL uh, expert. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL. Well, I, I think there's a little bit of a chaos going on, uh, especially when it comes to the uh, earnings. Their 2019 earnings report was not what they were anticipating, uh, which – which is kind of crazy. If you look at the full year highlights, they had $960 million in revenue, the highest in the company's history. Their operating income was $116 million. Uh, SmackDown viewership's up 20%. But then you're like, well, why is, the, uh, why is the stock having the issue that it is? I think a lot of it is there's some controversy. Of course, there's a lawsuit that's pending uh, against Vince McMahon uh, about misuse of WWE funds to help fund the XFL. You know, we'll have to see what happens with that. But I think if the XFL really starts to struggle, even though I know it's two, supposed to be two separate entities, it could impact WWE stock. I would probably stay away from WWE stock at this time. Uh, they do have an ace up their sleeve. Actually, too, they need to call in Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and IRS. Money isn't everything. It's the only thing. And everyone, everyone has a price. For the million dollar man. <laughs> well, I think a big thing that's really impacting, you know, revenues are looking good, but of course, news has come out. The WWE Network's average paid subscribers has decreased uh, to now where it looks like it's going to actually be paid subscribers is going to drop under a million. So, I mean, I think that's that's a big sign right there because uh, the network is a huge cash flow for them. Uh, so we'll have to see. You know, we'll have to see what ends up coming from that. But, yeah, I don't know if uh, IRS is going to be able to help them. But <laughs> it, I think it helps when a McMahon is, you know, very high up in the government with Trump. Uh, over the weekend, and hopefully later on we're going to have a guest. We'll get more into this. At an indie event in Texas, we had a couple friends booked on this card. Waxahachie Faith Wrestling WFW. A knucklehead pulled a gun in the locker room on some of the boys. I'm not going to mention his name, but WFW did acknowledge the incident online. But you can't do that. Stupid. I mean, uh, you know, and I don't know all the details on it, but, I mean, was he an upset fan? Was it another wrestler? You know, I know we're not going to talk about his name, but, I mean, was it just someone who – Oh, he was a wrestler. I I mean, why? I mean, isn't this a Christian-based wrestling show? Yeah. Supposed to be? Yeah, they believe in second chances. This guy has a shady pass. They they put him on the card, and oh, it back, backfired on him. But, again, hopefully we'll get more into this later. Well, that's the kind of stuff that you don't want. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that would happen in the 80s when you had some <laughs> of these, you know, shady territory owners and, you know, people pulling guns on each other. And that's just – I hate to hear that because wrestling right now, the indie scene's hot. You don't need anything that's negative press like that. And WWE Hall of Famer Pete Rose. Yes, Pete Rose. Is petitioning the MLB to lift his band so he can perhaps get in their Hall of Fame. I'm all about that, man. Poor Pete Rose. I think he has suffered and been punished enough. You look at the stuff recently. I know this is an off-wrestling topic, uh, but with Astros, 
just getting what a, a one year suspension and a fine or something like that. And Rose has been banned for life. Lift the band, uh, just like Joey Corman's band has been lifted. Lift the band and let the guy back in. I totally agree with you, Sumo. I mean, you think about you think about the steroid era. You had guys who you know were probably hitting twenty home runs a year, start hitting sixty home runs a year because they're all jacked up on steroids. Completely changed the game, changed records. You had a team that has now they completely cheated on a season that they won the World Series in. You think about all the things that's happened throughout baseball. and Yeah, he was wrong. He lied about it. He lied about it for years and years. He didn't come out about it, telling the truth until he was selling his book. But I say let him in. I mean, him and Shoeless Joe Jackson, who you can't even prove that he really threw the 1919 World Series. I mean, I think he batted 356 during the World Series, so it sounds like he was really trying to throw it. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Let let them in. If you're going to let these other guys have a chance to get in the freaking Hall of Fame, let Pete Rose at least have an opportunity to be voted in. Uh, I I think it, I think it's pathetic. Moving on, NWA Power this week. Show opens with Joe Galley interviewing Tim Storm. Says he's not retiring and then asks for a match with Thomas Latimer. Latimer and Camille come out with a dude dressed up in a dress, pretending to be Mama Storm. Obviously, Tim Storm is not happy about it. Storm always gold on the mic. Not sure about this fake Mama Storm angle. I know what it was supposed to do, but I'm just not sure if if it went over with the crowd like they intended it to. Well, Tim Storm freaking delivered this uh, fake Mama Storm. It stunk. It, it, it could have been really good. The actor they had playing Mama Storm was just atrocious. But uh, <laughs> I do have to say, in the first two minutes of the show, I, I was kind of devastated. You know, they have a new theme song. So, you know, the Pantera. whole to the fire. I mean, I like Pantera. It's going to take me a little time to warm up to it. Uh, I'm so used to that into the fire intro they've been doing. But Tim Storm, like you said it, man, he is gold on the mic right now. First match of the night, Matt Cross defeated Caleb Conley. Good match. Would love to see Conley get some more attention. I think the dude is very talented. Not sure why they're basically using him as enhancement talent right now. Guy's got the size, he's got the look, and pretty crisp in the ring. So hopefully Caleb Conley will get some more uh, action in the future. Hey, I thought it was a solid match. Good way to start off the show. Uh, the Dawsons and the Pope cut a promo on Homicide. Eddie Kingston interrupted, lit the mic up, talking about how Homicide had saved his life. Then brought out the bouncers from ROH. I wonder, uh, will the NWA use the bouncers to elevate the Dawsons, or will they be in the Crockett Cup or what? But let's see where this goes. I got a feeling they're going to be Crockett Cup bound. Uh, but Eddie Kingston, he brought it. He did. I mean, he he delivered on the mic. He didn't just sing it. He was bringing it. Second match NWA national title: Shooter Stevens versus Trevor Murdoch went to a time limit draw. He retains the title. Uh, I know me and uh, Chapman's talked the last couple of weeks. Not a huge fan of the comedy wrestling, but Stevens is doing just enough that I think it's hilarious. Well, the thing I really liked, a time limit draw. Remember when that used to happen a lot? Yeah. You don't have to have a guy beat another guy every week. Use that time limit draw. I thought that was brilliant the way they used it. However, I can tell you, if, they, if you're ever watching a wrestling show and you hear them say, two minutes left in the match, you know it's going to a time limit draw. <laughs> Speaking of two minutes, two-minute update with Sean Mooney. He introduces a new rule, Lucky 7 rule. That is, if the NWA TV champion retains the title seven matches straight, they'll get an NWA title shot. 
Lucky Seven Roll kind of like it, man. It, it gives the TV title a little bit of merit and can make things interesting, kind of the way uh, it makes wins and losses important without a ranking system similar to what AEW is trying to do. Man, I, I like the whole segment. I'll tell you what, I closed my eyes for a minute, and I thought I was back in 1992 <laughs> watching the WWF, but I loved it. Man. Where's Sean Lord Alfred Mooney, Hayes? Sean Mooney is a great addition. Uh, non-title tag match, Eli Drake and James Storm defeated Josephus and Mims. I would like to see Josephus and the question mark team up and uh, see what they can do as a tag team. I got a feeling you're never going to see that happen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Josephus, actually the crowd was even cheering for <laughs> Josephus during the match. But uh, Eli Drake, man, he is over like uh, Rover right now. NWA women's title, Thunder Rosa defeated Allison K to retain. Solid match. Can't say enough good things about Thunder Rosa. I know you're a huge fan of her, too. So is uh, uh, Chapman, who fills in for you. Solid match. Still makes Allison Kay look strong. Doesn't hurt her at all taking this loss. Seems like the tension between uh, Thunder Rosa and Melina and Marty Bell continues to rise. So maybe it's a way, uh, once that split happens, because you see it coming, to maybe her and uh, Allison Kay team up, keep each other relevant. I love how they're building the tension between them. And, you know, it's kind of a slow build. And Thunder Rosa, I just absolutely love her work. I think she is a superstar. Uh, Allison Kay, I haven't been real crazy about her, but I can tell you, you know, watching this and then also watching their match on the, the pay-per-view, the, they really work well together. I think Allison Kay, I, she's really impressed me in her last couple matches, but the women's division, just even though there's not very many women in the NWA women's division, they're still outperforming AEW, which has a much larger roster. Yeah, one thing about Thunder Rosa, huge fan. I wonder how long NWA is going to have to uh, get to keep her because you know she's catching the attention of AEW, who needs somebody like her. Uh, WWE, who has the best women's roster out there right now, especially they've got three different b- brands. So I-, I wonder how much longer we're going to see her in the NWA. Well, I hope she stays for a while because at least I- I- I'm-, I'm excited about this run she's going to get. I say let her cut loose. She doesn't need to be part of a group. Let her cut loose and be her own superstar. But keep it where she's not full baby face. I like it when she had a little bit of edge, when she's doing those – you know, crazy, almost sarcastic looks on her face after she just beat the crap out of someone. I, I, I hope they don't turn her full baby face. Moving on to AEW Dynamite, John Moxley defeated Ortiz in the opening match with Paradigm Shift. After the match, Moxley stabs Santana in the eye with some keys. Inner Circle hit the ring. Moxley escaped to the crowd. Not a fan of this poking eye stuff out. Yeah, I know they were playing the whole eye for an eye uh, thing. I wasn't I wasn't that crazy about that, um, but I thought it was kind of a it was honestly when Moxley came out it just seemed like they were a little bit off. Uh, they just wasn't really jiving in the ring, kind of a slow moving match. But uh, yeah, the whole jabbing in the eye thing. I mean, yeah, you don't need to do that. Second match, SCU defeated Best Friends. Afterwards, the Dark Order attacked SCU. Offer Orange Cassidy a mask, who just puts his hands in his pocket. So they end up attacking him, of course. Christopher Daniels comes out, makes the save. Uh, Dark Order backs off once they see him. So I have a feeling that they haven't revealed who this leader or whatever they call him is yet. 
Of course, we've talked about Brody Lee, formerly known as Luke Harper, will be, you know, free to go wherever here in, in, in about a month. I have a feeling he's AEW bound. We've talked about Matt Hardy. I don't think he's going to resign. He'll be able to go somewhere soon. But I think if those two fall through, Christopher Daniels might end up being revealed as the leader. And I got to tell you, I would absolutely love that. I love Christopher Daniels. I loved him in his fallen angel gimmick. I'm not as crazy about this uh, lead singer walking out with the mic. And if you notice when he was getting in the ring, he dropped the mic and had to go back down and get it <laughs> so he could do his SCU. He, poor, I, poor guy's had some luck getting in the ring lately. I know. And I absolutely love Christopher Daniels. He's so talented. But I think this is probably the most they've done really explaining that Dark Order gimmick and kind of what they're there for. Uh, the, only, the only thing is I'm still struggling with the whole punching incident from a couple months back. Uh, every time they're coming in or attacking one, I have to like pause it and like I want to watch each punch to see if they're actually connecting or if they're throwing uh, whiffs like they were doing a couple months ago. Third match, Yuka Sakazaki, hope I said that right, defeated Dr. Britt Baker. By countering the lockjaw into a small package. Uh, after the match, Baker attacked Sakazaki, making her bite the bottom rope and then curb stomped her on it. Uh, Baker then applied the lockjaw to Sakazaki's bloody mouth. Um, I'm liking this Hill Bake, uh, Britt Baker, a lot more now. Uh, that first time she came out, I think she struggled a little bit. Uh, she's just getting better and better, though. I would love to see her come out with, like, toothbrushes and toothpaste and some mouthwash and hand it to fans and talk about how disgusting their hygiene is and stuff like that. I love everything she's doing right now, except for poor Tony Schiavone and Jim <laughs> Ross, man. They're getting trashed. But I was kind of shocked that they had her lose to someone that was 0-2, uh, the magical girl, uh, Sasaki. Really surprised they had yeah. her lose to her. But then – because they had her basically knock her teeth out, I thought that was a kind of good angle uh, where, hey, it's not about wins and losses. It's about establishing her as a despicable person. She's doing a great job. I love Britsburg right now. Fourth match that the Butcher, the Blade, and the Lucha Brothers defeated the Elite. Hangman Page refused to tag out, which led to him getting pinned by Pentagon. After the match, Pac appeared on the video screen, threatened to attack Riho if Kenny Omega didn't agree to face him again. Of course, Omega accepted. Pac said he wasn't going to put his hands on her anyway, but then Nyla Rose comes out and powerbombs Riho onto a table. Looks like Riho versus Nyla Rose next week for the Women's Championship. Well, I have a question on the uh, the Riho thing, okay? In the interview, you know, Pac is sitting there threatening her. Why didn't she just run away? Does she not under- Maybe she doesn't understand English and understand what he's saying. I-, I don't know if there's a language barrier, but she just stood there. He's like, I'm going to get you. And she, plenty, there's no one around. Take off, run away. Instead, she's just standing there smiling. Uh, Riho, I, I, I mean, I, I like Riho, but it's just her stuff in AEW has just been bad. To me, it made her look like a total imbecile just standing there uh, for no reason as this madman's ranting about <laughs> what I'm going to do to you. Run away. Uh, Kip Sabian defeated Joey Janela with a small package. And then to end the show, MJF gave Cody 10 lashes with a leather belt as part of the stipulations for their upcoming match at Revolution. The Young Bucks, Arn Anderson, Dustin, and Brandy Rhodes all come out to support Cody. After they were all delivered, MJF kicks Cody in the balls and runs through the crowd like a chicken bleep hill that he is, which I love. I like this. It was old school. I don't care what some low-life fat guy in Arkansas thinks of me. This segment I thought was pretty good. It was probably a little bit long, but... The, when it showed the damage to the skin, it made it seem like it was legit. Because, you know, you got the Young Bucks doing 50 million super kicks and a guy's still not getting pinned. But 
this guy getting lashes on the back and seeing the marks, it had more of a real feeling oh, feel yeah. to it. And MJF, man, legit heel. And those lashes were legit, too. We talked about Moxley and Ortiz and Santana poking each other's eyes out earlier. We know that's not real. We know that's fake. This was real, and this is what really connected with fans. Yeah, I thought it was very I thought it was very well done. NXT, the Roserweights come out with a Dusty Rhodes Classic trophy interrupted by Undisputed Era. They exchange words. First match of the night, Angel Garza defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, says he wants another shot at the Cruiserweight Championship. Dominic Dijakovic defeated Killian Dane. After the match, Dijakovic and Keith Lee face off on stage. Looks like they'll face each other at TakeOver Portland. Then have a split-screen interview segment with Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. Those two really brought it. Uh, third match of the night, Mercedes Martinez defeated Casey Contenzaro. Uh, we see a brawl backstage with Tomasa Ciampa. Uh, the Broserweights and Undisputed Era, which leads to William Regal making a six-man tag match later in the show. Jordan Devlin defeated Tyler Breeze. Uh, Bianca Belair tried to call out Rhea Ripley, but Charlotte Flair came out. Uh, Belair and Ripley ended up putting their differences aside and both jumped on Flair. And uh, Ciampa and Broserweights defeated the Undisputed Era by disqualification when Roderick Strong interfered. After the match, Undisputed Era beat down Ciampa, spray painted a yellow X on his back. Then the lights go out. We see the 2-5-20 graphic we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks. And Velveteen Dream returns taking out the Undisputed Era, poses over Roddy Strong, uh, a la shades of ravishing Rick Rude with his tights. He had his family airbrushed onto him. Good to see uh, Velveteen Dream back, and I love the throwback. Well, I think this show really is helping set up TakeOver Portland. Uh, I really like the uh, the Brozier weights. I think they're, they're – to me, they're right now the best part of NXT TV – uh, and it, it's almost like I, I don't know what the uh, what the real plan was for them at the beginning of the tournament, but I really enjoy watching them work together. Uh, you know, I was kind of shocked. You know, you got Killian Dane returns and he and he lost, and there was really no. It's almost like he came in as a jobber. Uh, I, I'm glad to see Tyler Breeze getting a lot of minutes to see really what's happening. I, I, I really, he, I thought Tyler Breeze was great. He is great. In NXT. I thought the main roster just completely trashed him, but having dream return. And then that women's segment, I thought the women's segment with Charlotte uh, was really good. Uh, I think, you know, I, I, you know, NXT's always just killed it in the ring, but now I think they're really starting to do really good at building it up with a lot of the promos and interviews and uh, I think having Charlotte come in, I think that's a game changer. Yeah, I mean, we talked earlier today, um, you know, prior to recording this. I, of course, at EW, they went in the ratings were again this week, which that means something to some people. It doesn't mean squat to others. I can care less. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Don't care about the ratings. Um, but NXT, I, they got to get out of full sell. Because you, you look at the differences. When you turn on AEW, even though the crowds might be smaller, they look bigger. It feels bigger. You go back to NXT, and there's only 500 people there. Now people are like, well, you guys like NWA Power. Yeah, we love NWA Power, but it's studio wrestling. We know that's what to expect when we turn over there. NXT isn't studio wrestling. Uh, they need to get in a bigger venue. Yeah. I almost wonder, and we talked about this earlier, is NXT afraid to go out on the road because they see some of the struggles that 
that the AEW's having right now. You know, when AEW first came out, you're looking at getting 11, 12,000 people uh, for each weekly show. They had sellouts the first three weeks. Uh, you know, if you actually put up, make, created a uh, graph, a chart, it's just this slow decline. They went from, you know, 11, 12,000 to 9,000 to 6,000 to four. To, they've been in the four and 3,000 range. And maybe that's why NXT, I mean, to keep costs down, and seeing the struggles that AEW's having, uh, maybe that's something that they're kind of concerned about, not taking it out on the road and just saying, hey, we're just going to save it for these big pay-per-views that we know we're going to sell out every time. Uh, they just need to book. You know, if they do hit the road, book some arenas that only hold two, 3,000 people. I mean, just have it a bigger feel because I'll turn on to AEW, and as soon as I – you know, I, I get that big crowd vibe, and I hear Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, and I'm stuck. I watch NXT later on, but if you watch their takeovers, like you just mentioned, it's a totally different show. Yeah, because of the crowd. I mean, the crowd does bring it. I totally agree with you. Do not don't do don't don't go and do a huge arena like this last week. AEW they were in uh, Conrad Land down in Huntsville, Alabama. And it was a huge arena they were in, and it was it was very obvious. They probably had maybe three or four thousand people there. Very small crowd, a lot of emptiness. But AEW is doing a good job at their camera angles to make it seem like it's still a big event. I think they're doing great on it. You really have to sit and look to notice that. And I mean, I admit I'm watching that. I, I'm a numbers guy. I like you know seeing what their attendance is like. But you know NXT. And I think AEW should do this too. Do smaller places. Do instead of doing, you know, let's say instead of doing Little Rock, maybe you start off with a Springfield where you're going to have a packed house. You build up organically and work your way to the bigger, uh, bigger stadiums. Maybe that's how NXT starts out. Start in these little two, three thousand seat, you know, arenas where you have it completely packed, looking really good, and grow from there instead of jumping out to the, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand uh, people arenas. Yep, I agree. Uh, to put it in reverse for a little bit, kick it back to Monday Night on Raw. Believe it or not, Monday Night Raw has actually been decent for like three weeks in a row, man. I don't know if you've been watching any Raw or not. Well, I actually I watched a little bit just for this show. I hadn't. I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched it in a long time because it was getting just flat out painful to watch. But I did watch a little bit this evening, kind of went through it, and I was pleasantly surprised. It was uh, it was better than I anticipated it would be. Randy Orton getting that old school heat comes out, doesn't say a word, and gets booed out of the building. I loved it. Dude, Randy Orton showed. I mean, he still has it, man. I mean, when you think about Orton's been around, what, 15, 16 years now, 17 years? I mean, who knows? It's been a while. And he, he, still, he still continues to evolve, and I thought that was a great – he showed while he – He's a master. It was a master at work, bottom line. Hey, yo, it's survey time. I didn't do any surveys this week, but we had some questions submitted. I want to get into those. Wednesday Night Wallop, at WN Wallop on Twitter. They submitted overall feeling on the state of pro wrestling going into uh, Mania season. Um, I think things are right on track, man. They've got a couple months to build up some storylines. Hopefully, they'll use some of the stuff that's going to go down in Saudi Arabia uh, to also help up, help build up some feuds. I think the industry is cooling just a bit, uh, in my opinion. I think 2018 was a huge year. 2019, 
was also a, it was a very big year. A lot of big things happened, but it almost has this feel like it's cooling. And maybe that's because of the report that came out. If the WWE is having you know some financial uh, struggles compared to what they they were expecting to do, and then seeing AEW kind of you know slowing a little bit, which is expected. Any first year company, and this is the thing. I saw this big debate the other night, and they were talking about people criticizing AEW and they're losing all this money. If it's their first year in business, they're going to lose money. Any business person knows any business plan you draw up should never have you making money until year three. I mean, that's part of it. So, you know, I'm not, I think there's a long way to go. They got good backing. I think TNT seems to be in, but it just seems like it's cooling a little bit. And maybe that's because there's not that breakout superstar that is just tearing it up right now, like a Steve Austin or the rock back in the day. He also asked who's doing well, both company wise and talent wise. Uh, first people come to my mind. Of course, I think WWE right away, Drew McIntyre and Buddy Murphy. Uh, Heyman seems to be very high on both those guys. Of course, McIntyre is going to be main eventing WrestleMania. Also Adam Cole of NXT. And of course, obviously Roman Reigns of SmackDown. Well, I really like uh, McIntyre. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. He's finally getting the push that we've kind of wanted for the last few years. I think he's definitely definitely the upcoming star when it comes to WWE. Uh, it, it also seems, you know, I think uh, the NWAs, you know, looking with the Crockett Cup uh, of actually maybe going to a larger arena. And I think, uh, of course, to me, the star of that show right now is, uh, is Aaron Stevens <laughs> in the question mark. But, uh, you know, then AEW, I think Cody, man, Cody is just bringing some old school stuff. I absolutely love it. Yes. I mean, it's hard to bet against Cody Rhodes right now. Of course, he's executive vice president. So, of course, he's doing very well company and talent-wise. Conversely, who's not doing so great and who's kind of stale? I think uh, Shorty G, Nakamura, Sami Zayn, uh, which I hate because all those guys are extremely talented. Um over on the NWA, we mentioned Caleb Conley earlier. I don't know why he's not getting a push, but I would like to see that. And then uh, AEW, man, I'd like, like to see some Darby Allen get a mid-title in the picture and throw him in there. Well, I think struggling WWE, I think Seth Rollins. I think it's just overexposure. I'm just freaking sick of Seth freaking Rollins. Uh, AEW, I, I mean, well, I'll go NWA first. Actually, NWA, I, I like. Everyone that's on that show, I don't think there's a lot of overexposure on it. I think it's still feel, got a fresh feel to it. Uh, AEW, I, I'm still struggling with the massive. I notice there's less. There seems like maybe Double A, Arn Anderson, a lot of those guys are getting more involved in the booking. It doesn't seem to be quite as bad. But I got to tell you, when people, when the private party, if they come out and if they're in a match with the Young Bucks, I am going to just fast forward through it because <laughs> it, it is just – there's 50 million false false finishes. That's too yeah. much for me. Yep. Uh, at Bearded Chris P on Twitter, uh, says we see a lot of people on Twitter upset about the Saudi Arabia deals, but how do you feel the Saudi shows are perceived internationally? I don't know how – you know, we don't talk about politics or religion on here for obvious reasons, but th- those things aside, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And Vince is a businessman who's in it for dollars. Um, and from a business standpoint, they're getting a lot of juice out of that squeeze. So it, it would be hard uh, if I was Vince to say no if I'm getting paid billions of dollars to go over there for one show. 
Yeah, I mean, how it's perceived, I, I think in the world, it's. I don't think there's really much of a reaction, honestly. I think in the uh, in the United States, it's a lot of, uh, you know, keyboard warriors wanting to, you know, bash the WWE. I mean, shoot, if, if someone offers you a lot of money, yeah, I mean, you're, you're a business owner. Someone said, hey, I'm going to pay you a billion dollars to come over here. Then I'm going over there. I mean, that that's part of business. They're in it to make money. And uh, Vince McMahon, he's he's all about making money, except with the XFL this year. <laughs> yeah, he was losing what three hundred and forty something million. I'm going to go three seventy five. Now, I I really don't I really don't think he's. That's what the reports were saying. I think that's really inflated. If you look at the first XFL with NBC, they lost about a hundred million. Uh, I, I think with this one right here, I think they're probably going to lose about one hundred fifty million. But I think he's planning on a big loss in year one, year two, and year three. Year four, based on what television deals he can get, is when they're going to turn it around. At MSE Pro Wrestling on Twitter, what do non-wrestling fans think of pro wrestling in 2020? What can we do as hardcore as the hardcore base to make it more inviting, or is it solely on the product? Man, I think non-wrestling fans think the same now as they always have. If you can't suspend certain beliefs and uh, just enjoy it, you're not going to like it. You're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. Um, it boils down to the product. I don't think we as fans can do much to to change that. Uh, there's certain promotions out there that I don't like. I don't care for. It's not the talent. Talent's great, uh, and I, you know, we don't talk about Impact. I'll, I will use them as an example. I'm not a fan of Impact. They have incredible talent. It's stacked. I just don't like how it's booked. I don't like some of the storylines. But there's other promotions I love. I think the way that you get pro wrestling fans to think it's more real is is angles like the Cody Rhodes angle. That was that was legit. That had a real feel to it. What doesn't make wrestling people believe, non wrestling believers, you know, if they don't believe in it, is matches like the Young Bucks, like where you know you have fifty million false finishes that are just and it looks too choreographed. I think more believable stories, you know, like what they did with Cody Rhodes compared to what some of the stuff's going on with the elite. And Aussie Lucian, at Aussie Lucian on Twitter, uh, chimed in, which countries are criminally underrated for wrestling talent? Not saying this because these are our friends from Australia, but I'm going to say Australia. Look at some talent now. Buddy Murphy, Jonah Rock, go back to Nathan Jones. Uh, and though originally from Scotland, Bill Dundee, who moved to Australia as a child, uh, the Fabulous Kangaroos, Emma, Peyton Royce. Just imagine how many other people out there that we haven't even heard about yet. Well, I, I think you threw out a good one right there. I mean, Australia, when you know, naming those names off, that's a lot of talent. Uh, also, I would probably say, uh, you know, that's probably underrated. I think probably some of the uh, wrestlers uh, from England are probably overrated. I'll go the other direction. Except for Nick Aldis, of course. Of course, the, the national treasure, the real world champion. Joining us now from Band Street, USA, the last great hope for professional wrestling, the one and only Joey Corman. What's up, man? Oh, man, you said it all, so that, I guess the interview is <laughs> over. You, you pretty much did a good lead-in, so we can't go anywhere from there. So have a good night, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, man, I'm just hanging out in Texas uh, family like my family uh, my mom and uh her husband live here so i come to texas uh during january and february a lot of times to visit well, i saw you've been making some rounds uh i think you had a show 
uh, was it Kansas recently or Missouri? Yeah, dude. We work we work in Kansas for um, a company that is uh, – I'm not sure they're going to be running anymore, so it, it, I'm not going to really plug them because I don't think they're going to be around. Uh, and then I came down to Texas, and I did a few shots. Um, the weird part about Texas is there's probably been 15 shows run while I've been here, but I've, I've worked maybe three shows. So, Well, at least the band from Texas has been lifted. So you're allowed back in Texas, Arkansas, Kansas, Missouri, and Tennessee. So f- 45 out of 50 states you're still able to perform in. Well, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is, man. You know, I'm slowly chipping away at that and, uh, you know, letting everybody know that if if uh, uh, if they will just come down off their high horse, put me back on their shows, all of a sudden the the attendance will miraculously go up, and the morale will go up, and you know things like that. Things will just happen. So that's what I'm trying to uh, show these people. I, I agree, Dave, and I have been to some of the shows you've been on, and when you come out, there's a response from the crowd. I, I don't, you know. Well, imagine that. I mean, uh, I, you know, I've always subscribed to the theory of a. Uh, Fans buy tickets, not other wrestlers. So, uh, you know, a lot of times I've uh, I've made the mistake of of working for the crowd and not the guys in the back. So I think sometimes that hasn't endeared me to the locker room a lot of times because I've been on tons of shows and I've seen great matches, but I've never given my pay packet to a guy because I saw him have a great match. So, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've just subscribed to the theory that you, you work for the fans and uh, you let them decide whether – uh, you're quote unquote over or not. Well, hey, Joey, I'm still looking for my uh, payback for after I had to go to the Capitol to get your band uh, raised and uh, lifted in Arkansas. I'm still waiting for my payback for that. I had to swing some deals. Well, you know, I mean, I got you on the comp list at Mid States Wrestling, one of the one of the hottest promotions in Arkansas right now. Uh, you know, and I've got a little bit of pull, I think, maybe with the folks that run CWA in Arkansas. So I may be able to make some things happen for you there, too, sir. Hey, I, I appreciate all the payola I can get. Both those uh, promotions are outstanding, by the way, for those listening. MSW and CWA, check them out. Yeah, when I mean, it's it's amazing what you can accomplish when you uh, run a run a uh, professional wrestling company like a business. And when you promote it like a business and you treat it like a business and you – uh, you, you treat your crew like, you know, you appreciate them being there. And uh, uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you run a business like a business. Well, you mentioned MSW. MSW starting to really take off. They got a show coming up in Salem Springs. Then in March, they're going to do Harrison and Mem- uh, and uh, Springfield. So, uh, you know, you indie wrestling is really taking off over in this area. Well, Mid-States is definitely a good company to be involved with because uh, they are picking up their schedule. And, uh, again, you know, like I said, I've, I've worked several events over the years from, from starting back in uh, 97 when I was training. So I've, I was backstage and a part of a lot of these events. And uh, um, I've seen some, some very lackluster events, and uh, I've seen some very uh, uh, shoestring budget companies and things like that. <laughs> And again, I mean, Mid States has taken off because they're, they're you know, uh, Jones runs it like a business. I may not get along with him in the ring, personally. I don't like him, but uh, you know, you, you can't argue with uh, with business when he, when he's got a proven track record. You can't really argue with that. Shots fired at the Space Cowboy. Well, you know, I come on. All right, we all know <laughs> he's he's been look look. I'm not going to knock him as far as his skills go, but you know he's a little bit of a glory hound. You've seen him come out there and 
pander to the kids and shake the rednecks hands and hand out free Copenhagen or whatever he does to, to draw those people in that love him so much. So whatever. Well, speaking of hodgepodge promotions and shots fired, I think you had a little excitement over the weekend down in Texas at a indie event you were booked at. Yeah, unfortunately, there was a an event at a at a beautiful building. The venue was was tremendous. Um, a uh, you know a great town, Waxahachie, Texas, which is uh, where my uh, my trainer Killer Tim Brooks was out of, and uh, you know just a a really a really great venue. And uh, the day started with with uh, unfortunately started with bad vibes, and uh, it ended with a an incident with a uh, you know just a uh, a garbage person. And, uh, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you, you, in wrestling well, or any kind of entertainment, nonetheless, you're going to run into all walks of life, man. You got all kinds of people. You got jocks. You got weirdos. You got punk rockers. You got alternative lifestyle folks. You got whatever. Got That's fine. Wine, That's cool. That's, wine That's what makes it exciting. Got guys who have wine companies. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you got professionals. You have <laughs> businessmen. You have – you know, you have clowns. You've got everybody, right? And it's that's what has always made wrestling exciting is that mixture of people coming together to, you know, to do their thing. But then you have garbage people. You have no business being around anything. They just they're just garbage people. And this this person's a garbage person. So uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we we were in his uh, the proximity of this garbage person and and one of my uh, very good friends. Um, reminded him that he was a garbage person and it hurt his feelings. And uh, since we're full grown men that he can't be a predator towards and scare us, he had to run to his bag and get his, his gun, which still didn't really work in scareness because we still MF'd him about 150 times while he was pulling out his piece or whatnot. That was how, you know, intimidated we were by him and his, you know, his active power or whatnot. But nonetheless, garbage person, sad that it happened that way. Uh, the people that were running it, didn't do anything to me. I, I'm not going to say anything bad about them dealing with me, but they made some bad decisions from the very get-go that negatively affected the whole event. Man, you hate to hear that, you know, an event that they work probably very hard to put together, that that one scumbucket just comes in and, and trashes the whole thing. Yeah, it was just, I mean, the quality of the talent was questionable. Now, I... Nowadays, in my old age, I'm a little more um, uh, try. I try to be a little more helpful in situations like that, where you know you could completely bury some of these people. But a lot of these people were probably put in positions that they weren't ready for, and it is kind of their fault. But then again, it's not. It's like a, a double-edged sword. You have to you have to place blame all the way across the board. So some of these, uh, some of the talent was questionable to say the least. And the, uh, uh, you know, the obviously dealing with this garbage person was questionable. Um, so there was, uh, you know, it was just a bad, it was a bad news situation from the get go. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge his name, but uh, uh, Waxahachie Faith Wrestling is the promotion. And I, I can say them because they did acknowledge the incident and came out and said they're going to cut ties with this person. And they should, because I know we give you a hard time about being banned here and being banned there. But this is one guy probably needs to be banned. Well, the sad part is, is uh, they had uh, already cut ties with him, quote unquote. Yeah. So I'm not gonna, you know, begin to analyze that because I don't have that kind of time. And you know, brother, when I lived here in Texas, 
I didn't keep up with Texas politics and pro wrestling because I didn't care. And now that I don't live in Texas, I sure do not keep up with, you know, things going on uh, backstage or around the area. And this was a big deal, man. This, this person had caused quite a stir here in Texas not too, not too long ago. I had no idea. But apparently uh, lots of folks, you know, had already uh, had a run-in with this guy, and he had essentially been blacklisted and blackballed from the area, which he should be. Uh, so as far as I knew, uh, and as far as the guys that went to the show with me knew, he would, he was nowhere, you know, he was not factored into any of this. So you could see my guy's demeanor completely change when this clown showed up. And I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys, you know? And they filled me in on the scenario, and I was like, whoa, you know, uh, that's, that's not good. But, uh, yeah, it was just an all-around terrible situation for everybody involved, to be honest with you. Well, that's scary. I mean, they escalated where it's a life and death situation like that over over something that's, you know, petty. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy that that someone would act like that in that type of situation. I mean, you know, life's so fragile. I mean, we had an, we had an event that happened up here recently where we had a, a bank robbery not far from uh, where Nathan and I live. And it's like and then you have people pulling pieces like that over over what? I mean, just doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, apparently, according to some of these folks, it wasn't real. Yeah, but still. Now, that's, that's, now you, you know, I'm in Texas, brother. <laughs> and in, in Texas, a lot of folks have guns. So this is not the type of place to say, I'm going to go get my gun and not actually have or, you know, be willing to use your gun. So, and I'm not going to try to find out. You know, right. if, you, if, you're, if you're telling me you have a gun, I'm not going to, you know, try to get up close to it and, and analyze it and see if, you know, it's legit or not. I just saw this clown go in his bag, pull his piece out, drop it on the floor, and pick it back up. And I was like, oh, well, I guess he does have a gun. <laughs> it doesn't matter if and, it's real or not. If it looks real, it's real. And I'm a grown-up. I'm an adult, bro. I got, I got kids. I've got, I don't have time for you to threaten my life. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't have what you say you have, uh, I, don't, I don't find that funny. Like, I don't see it. It's not the least bit amusing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I was kind of... I don't know. I didn't find it funny at all. And I had stayed patient, man, even while I was watching this guy, um, you know, do some things that were that were already irking me. And I'd stayed patient. I kept my mouth shut. I tried to be the the patient veteran guy in the locker room because I, I was the guy that had been there the longest out of everybody on the card. I had the most experience. Now, the way I was being treated by the people in charge, I was just some jabron on the show, which was fine. I, you know, I didn't care. I was just sitting there playing on my phone whatever waiting to go out and work but um it just kind of as the day went on it, it was irking me a little more and more and I, I kept my mouth shut though dude i was quiet i was just doing my thing trying to be a professional because like i said i'd already caught my payday so i was there to do a job and just going about my business eventually i just snapped once this clown started cussing and people come back there you know talking about i'm gonna go get my gun too and all this other ridiculous redneck crap <laughs> so i was like okay that was when i couldn't take it anymore i was like all right that's cool this is some Dirty Dick Slater stuff. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, in the old days, if if if, if Harley Race would have pulled out his piece or something, he most likely would have shot you. Yeah. And, and there would have been no, like, I'm going to get my gun. He wouldn't have said that. He would have just reached in his halibut and pulled it out and shot you and then, you know, waited for the cops or whatever, I guess. Well, thankfully, no one got hurt. And uh, even though if, if it was a, a pellet gun or whatever they say it was, uh, it's still a dangerous situation. Good thing no one yeah, got hurt. Clown town, the whole thing was a clown town situation, man. It was ridiculous. 
than that, it's been it's been tremendous because I did a shot for Metroplex Wrestling. They treated me well. They know who I am. The guys in charge there have known that I've been involved in Texas wrestling for 23 years, so they didn't treat me like a mark. And, uh, you know, League of Lions takes care of me. I have a show on Saturday for League of Lions in Lufkin, Texas. So, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to working with them again. Uh, I'm a, I feel like I'm a valuable uh, asset to their locker room, to their roster, because they have a lot of young guys who need some direction. And I'm patient nowadays. I'm, I'm a lot more patient than I've ever been. So I'm good for, I'm good for that. So I, I like being involved in that aspect. I mean, there's big shows running in Texas with a lot of great talent. I don't feel that I would be utilized on a lot of those shows in a position that would, you know, and it's not necessarily a prominent position. That's not what I mean. I just mean that I, I don't feel that I'd be utilized on a lot of these shows because they have a hell of a roster. They got great talent. There's tons of, of guys in Texas that are, and girls in Texas that are tremendous workers. So I just feel that I'd be lost in the shuffle in a lot of these places. But at League of Lions, I feel I'm a little more valuable because they, you know, I can help a lot of the younger guys and because they have a, a, a ton of young guys on the roster. Uh, speaking of uh, working with young guys, you've been tag teaming up with Johnny Lightning recently, the All-Nighters. How's that going? Well, it was off to a, a decent start, uh, but then he hurt his knee. Oh, no. And kind of uh, – He's been kind of laying back for a minute, trying to let that uh, heal. Uh, luckily, he's a young guy, so he has that on his side. But uh, he's been uh, he's been nursing that knee, and uh, once he gets that 100%, then we should be back out on the road. We have uh, we have a date coming up for pro wrestling mid south in uh, Dyersburg, Tennessee, on the 15th of this month. So we got uh, we're gonna go do that and. Uh, That'll be the first show that we've done together in a while since he hurt his knee. So we're, hey, trying, that... to, we're trying to see. We don't want to rush that, of course. We don't want him to hurt it any worse than it already is. Is that the uh, card I think Austin Idol's on? No, dude, I wish. I mean, there was, a, uh, there was the talks of a big Memphis wrestling fest coming up. And uh, there was going to be... They were bringing in Austin Idol and Dutch Mantel. I'm not sure if that's the show that you were yeah, thinking Yeah, I think of. that's the one I was thinking of. As far as I know about that, they may have to reschedule that. I believe they had some issues, and there's talk of them rescheduling it. But uh, I'm not 100% sure about that either. I'm jumping in the car with a guy. I'm just telling him not to drive like Jeff Gordon and kill us. So. <laughs> well, hey, Joe. He's been notorious. Joey, you mentioned, uh, you know, we were talking about Austin Idol just a minute ago, even though, you know, that show's not – has been delayed, but have you had a chance? I, I know you like a lot of the uh, older school wrestling in the interviews we've done before. Have you had a chance to check out the, uh, the NWA show that they've been running the last couple months on YouTube? Yeah, I actually have. I watched it last night. Yeah, so what's your, what's your impressions of those uh, studio shows right now? Man, it's awesome. I, I like the throwback, the throwback feel. Um, I really like guys. Obviously I like Tim storm. Um, I like the Dawsons. Um, I like uh, James Storm and, uh, of course, Murdoch. I like uh, – I'm a real big fan of Thunder Rosa because she's just – like she just, you know, she just beats the piss out of people. Uh, I like the whole studio setup. Um, I like those guys that I just mentioned because they look like grown men who could beat you up. Uh, some of the stuff I'm not really a fan of because it's – I mean, I get it. Wrestling's changed. It's new school and whatever. Uh, a lot of times that 
I don't get the presentation because there's a, there's guys that for a lack of a, you know, it's not a bad, it's not a knock. They're enhancement talent and they're there to enhance the guys that they're going to be pushing and using as stars and they have competitive matches. And a lot of times I don't understand that because, you know, you take guys when I was a kid, like George South and Mark Fleming and, uh, you know, uh, Gene Legan and these guys were tremendous uh, wrestlers, tremendous workers, but then they would get in the ring and they would get uh, next to zero offense and they would get squashed because they weren't necessarily there to have a competitive match. They were there to enhance the guys that were being pushed. So, you know, Magnum TA would beat people in three seconds and Arn Anderson, Anderson would destroy two enhancement guys. Uh, George South talks about Flair and him working on TV for 15 minutes or something. I know that happens sometimes. But um, the presentation's cool. I really like the studio setup. I don't know what they plan on doing as far as, you know, traveling or making it a viable business model. I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. But the talent that they have that I really like are the guys that I named that actually look like grown men that could that could probably beat you up if they had to. Well, you mentioned Tim Storm and, and – you know, the, the, the couple months that he's been on there since it's come on, it's like a rebirth of Tim Storm. He is just absolutely killing it. And his promos, I think he's cutting probably some of the pre- best promos in the business. And uh, it's almost like a rebirth of Tim Storm. Tim Storm's one of those guys that the industry slept on for a long time. And, um, you know, I think Tim was painfully aware of, 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 of um, reality and time. You know, we – no, you know, first of all, you don't know how much you have anyway. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, 22 or 52. You're not really sure how much time you've got. But nonetheless, uh, I think he's painfully aware of uh, of the time that's going by in real life and the fact that they slept. The industry has kind of slept on a guy like Tim Storm, and not because of lack of talent, not because of lack of size, not because of lack of look. I mean, when he first broke in, he looked like a giant porn star, but I'm sure somebody could have marketed that too. But right now, he looks like a grown man that could beat you up. He's cutting realistic promos. Uh, he's got the look. He, you know, he's wearing the suit. Uh, a lot of wrestling to me nowadays with the suits and things like that. In the old days, to me, wrestling was a job that people who couldn't make it in the regular, everyday world were kind of drawn to. And now everybody looks like they're on their way to Microsoft or like some kind of, you know, like starbucks corporate job or something that kind of bothers me sometimes but when you're presented in a role like tim is the same way when flair was presented in his role and uh gino luthez wore a suit gino hernandez you know a lot of those guys like that is because of the presentation of their of their product now to me like tim storm wearing a suit makes sense to me but if you're you know malico or somebody and you roll up in a suit it really doesn't make sense to me (laughs) because that to me that doesn't really fit your what you're selling I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that, man, if it, if it fits your gimmick. And I understand it. Uh, you know, you're trying to present an image, uh, a professional image or whatever. But I remember being a kid, man, and seeing uh, Dick Murdoch come out of the out of the uh, arena when I was in Norfolk, Virginia. And he was wearing some some gray uh, sweatpants cut into shorts. And he was wearing like a, a gym shirt that, because, you know, Dick Murdoch never went to the gym. So he was wearing a shirt of a gym he probably never been in, in his life. Yeah. And, you know, some tennis shoes or whatever. And to me, that fit Dick Murdoch because it's like, oh, he's Dick Murdoch. He's some big redneck. Well, it's like and, uh, Dusty Rhodes and the Freebirds, you know. Exactly. I mean, they would show up with some jeans tucked into some boots and a and a, and a rebel flag T-shirt on or some shit. <laughs> and that was, you know, like that kind of made sense to me. And then, But then Flair would roll in and he would have a, a suit on and Tully would roll in. And, and Arn would at least have a polo and some slacks and things like that. So 
that made sense to me too. And, and Magnum TA would come in. He would have a leather jacket on, and he would have some jeans on, and all that kind of fit the characters to me. But if you're Tim Storm, for what he's going for in his presentation, I'm down with the suit. But again, if you're a guy like, uh, you know, the Dawsons, I don't necessarily need the Dawsons to come in. And guys that are fans of guys like Homicide and um, Eddie Kingston, I don't think you expect Eddie Kingston and Homicide to show up in three-piece suits. You know, they're supposed to be these street thug dudes that are like, you know, they're not, they're, you know, they're not rolling in with a suit. So I, I get it if they roll in with some, with some baggy dicky shorts on and a, and a, and a tank top or whatever. Oh, I get it. Uh, I don't think we've had you on since the launch of AEW. Have you had a chance to check any of that stuff out? Uh, yeah, for the most part, I, I, um, the stuff that I've seen is just, is just garbage. Um, I really liked Cody versus Dustin. Imagine that. Um, I don't like Kenny Omega at all. Um, I don't like the young bucks at all. Um, I like watching this one girl named Mel kick the crap out of everybody. I thought that was kind of cool because she looked like she could actually beat the girls up. So I like that. Um, I don't – man, I don't really know anybody that works there either. I mean, I've been around Marco Stunt. We're not like boys or anything, and he's a nice kid. And good for him that he's getting paid. That's awesome because, uh, you know, when I broke in all those years ago, I was too small, and I was twice Marco's size. So, I mean, uh, good for him. But – for the most part, what I've seen is uh, it's just a giant indie show that they're trying to present on a national platform. And national platform wrestling looks like WWE. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. It, I don't care what you think about who uh, can do 37 variations of a wrist lock and things like that. Most average, everyday wrestling fans do not care if you know 32 different versions of a wrist lock. They couldn't care less. That's really my biggest so, uh, I, I think a national platform of wrestling is – Go ahead. What? Uh, just coming from a fan standpoint, my biggest complaints to AEW, and a ton of people, a ton of other fans are going to disagree with me, but it's too spotty. Uh, there's too many false finishes. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. You, you guys, you guys would be your your opinion on this may be more valuable than mine because you may actually buy a ticket to their product. I won't. But the thing is, is Generally, if you don't like one style of wrestling, you're not going to like their product. Now, even for the WWE, which I don't like, I'm not a fan, I don't watch it. But from what I remember last time I saw it, they did kind of offer a few different kinds of matches. There were there were some women's matches who the good. There's uh, some big guys that do big guy stuff. There's uh, some little guys that are athletic, like Ricochet that do high flying and all that. And then there's some guys that are kind of sprinkled in between that that know how to work their gimmick, and uh, so I mean, I mean on a national platform you got to have something to offer everybody. That's why WCW worked at the beginning because you had something to offer everybody. You had luchas, you had uh, you had juniors, you had uh, the mid card stuff. You had some people that were gimmicky. You had some good tag stuff. You had of course the main event guys, you know, did a couple moves and made all the money. But nonetheless. People were buying it, apparently, right? They were watching yeah. it. So, um, you know, all the way across the board, if you have one style, which is why I don't like to watch indie wrestling usually, because a lot of indie wrestling promotions cater to one type of fan. And that one type of fan is just crash and burn, fight forever, you know, chant garbage. And there's no definitive heel or face because 
one guy on one side of the ring has very good high-flying athletic ability, and the other guy on the other side of the ring has very good high-flying athletic ability. And neither one of them are working towards the crowd. Neither one of them are selling a character. And you can't really tell the difference between who's who other than they may have different color tights on. I think the, there's a bigger gray area now. Used to, it was obvious who the baby face was, who the heel was. Now, hell, I don't know half the time anymore. Who am I supposed to be rooting for? Who am I supposed to be booing? I don't know. And that took away the drama. That's That's what I'm talking about. That took away the drama for you guys because – how do you get behind – you know, I said that. I was like, well, if I have a guy over here on this side of the ring and he, he hits a very pretty shooting star press and a very pretty 450, but then I got a guy on this side of the ring who hits a very pretty uh, stardust and a very pretty acai moonsault. Like, who the hell am I supposed to cheer for? Because they both do these tremendous athletic moves, and I pop, and I'm like, wow, that was, that, that was pretty. But how do I build the drama? Because yeah. I don't I – don't, there is no drama. I don't know who's – a definitive heel. I've seen that one kid MJF work, and I know that he plays the role of a heel. I know Sammy Gravara plays the role of a heel. I don't necessarily watch m- many of Sammy's matches because he's a he's a spotty. He's too spotty for me. Now I don't know for everybody else they may love him. And now Sammy's got a leg up on you know certain things that is missing also from uh, wrestling is you could probably sell Sammy to to women. You know, old days there was all these guys and a lot of women went to wrestling to see these guys and then of course guys go where women go so the, the shows were always packed you had a bunch of women that wanted to go see men that looked like men and then you had a bunch of guys that were going to the show because that's where all the women were going to be right so it kind of packed the shows out now if you look at the show they're pro- they're they're it's predominantly male and that's not a brand new thing i was watching uh, ecw pay-per-view from 98 uh just about an hour ago and i looked out into the crowd i was at the show and i don't ever remember looking at this while i was there but I'm watching the show from a different standpoint now. There was it was predominantly male. There was you know maybe two or three women sprinkled throughout the whole damn building, and it was just a bunch of dudes standing there yelling. And uh, you know I, that's that's one of the things that's missing from wrestling. But Sammy, at least you could sell Sammy, because I've heard plenty of you know I've seen plenty of uh, you know women online and you know some of the dudes online. Hell, I mean I'm just being honest. Go yeah man, Sammy Guevara is hot or whatnot. And I'm like okay, well I mean maybe they'll buy some tickets yeah. to come see him. I mean, I don't want to sell. You can't sell it. You can't sell it just on that, obviously, because then that would make me a sexist, now wouldn't it? <laughs> so you can't just sell it just on that. But like you know, that that was one of the things that uh, that used to attract a large uh, crowd of, of of females, as they would come to see guys wrestle. You know, I mean, whatever. That was just the way it was. And uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing, but I am saying it's a bad thing that there's no diversity in the crowd. It's a bunch of dudes wearing black t-shirts yelling fight forever uh, now you're not saying that there wasn't a lot of chicks that ecw show to see roadkill the amish assassin i mean come on he had quite the the lady following <laughs> yeah i mean if you if you think about the ecw locker room there weren't a lot of guys there that i don't think would fall under the standard like pretty yeah. wrestler that was a joke by the you way. know i mean i don't know how many guys well yeah but you know you think about that it's like there's not too many Guys, if you really think about it, Sabu was scarred up. Uh, you know, Balls was scarred up. Um, New Jack was scarred up. And I, these guys, of course, weren't uh, relying on their drawing ability because of they were they were pretty or whatnot. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that either. But there's just so many things missing from wrestling now that used to be there. One of them being a drama. One of them being a tag. Yeah. 
Uh, how do you build heat when there's no tag? You just roll out of the ring. Oh, I'm hurt, so I'm going to roll out, and this guy's going to immediately springboard in and do some kind of flipsy doodle, and the guy's going to get hit with it, but it's not going to hurt him because he's going to roll through it and hit the far side rope and duck something and dive out to the guy who was already hurt on the floor or whatnot. So it never there's no continuity either. It's like, oh, just, just do some stuff, and then there's going to be a bell. It's like a bell, a bunch of stuff, and then a bell. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I guess one it's like a movie starts like with an explosion. Like you have a movie. Boom, big explosion. And then another one. And then another one. And then the credits roll. You're like, uh, what was that movie about? I don't what did I just watch? Well, one thing in AEW, you'll see somebody take 15 Canadian destroyers, kick right out. And then someone in the very next match get pinned with a clothesline or something like that. I'm like, come on. You know, the yeah, and that's another thing. I think I think wrestlers in the old days weren't as tough as the wrestlers nowadays, obviously, because in the old days it only took one DDT for Jake the Snake to beat people, and now you'd have to DDT a guy off of a building through eight tables, and he would probably kick out at one. Well, Shawn Michaels must have had something in his boot because one super kick is all it took. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was just tougher. Apparently, of all the people that you would call tough, apparently <laughs> Shawn Michaels was super tough because it took one kick to the face and your ass was out. Out cold. Uh what else you got coming up, man? You you talked about your stuff down in Texas. You got something coming up over in Tennessee. Um, yeah, man, we got League of Lions. We got League of Lions on Saturday, uh, which is in Lufkin. My boy, uh, my boy Matt Locke and my League of Lions guys are going to be representing us at, at Fearless. In uh, where's that at, Matt? Dickinson, Texas, on Friday. Fearless is running. It's a good show. It's got a great, great uh, bunch of guys on that show. So it'll be definitely worth checking out. Um, the 15th, I will be in Dyersburg, Tennessee at Pro Wrestling Mid-South with Johnny Lightning as the All-Nighters. Um, on the 23rd, I'm going to be debuting for another company, which I just went completely blank. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I, I, I guess because I'm sitting here on like six lanes of traffic riding with Jeff Gordon and it's freaking me out. Uh, I'll look that up. <laughs> Sorry, I just went completely blank, dude. But, dude, I mean, I got some stuff coming up. And then, of course, you can catch me at Mid-States. Uh, I won't be there, unfortunately, uh, on their show on the 22nd. 22nd. Yeah, I won't be at that show, unfortunately. Um, but uh, you, you'll be able to catch me at some of the um, Mid-States show. Because, again, I said, if you're, in, if you're in our area and you're a professional wrestler and you want to work a uh, quality event, you got to try to get on the Mid-States. So uh, we have several promoters that listen to us from you know all over the country. Uh, how can they book you, man? You got Facebook, you got Twitter. What's up? Yeah, yeah, man. You can just find me at all of those, uh, all of those uh, platforms. If you just look up Joey Corman, C O R M A N, you'll find me. I'm pretty easy to find. It's usually a picture of me and my ugly kid. And uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you can look me up on the platforms, man. All of them, like Facebook and. I Instagram I've seen and your kid, man. Twitter. He, and, he didn't get his looks from you because he ain't ugly. Yeah, well, he's a cute little kid, isn't he? he isn't he is. awesome? Man, he's like a walking reminder. He's like a walking calendar. Like, I'll look at him and go, man, you're already two and a half. Holy smoke. So, yeah, he's he's a walking reminder that uh, I'm no spring chicken. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I like to, I like to uh, come to events, especially places where I feel that uh, I'll be utilized. And, again, I don't mean – like I'm one of those those people that have to be put into a main event role. I don't feel that I have to be given the title run. I don't uh, – that's not what I mean. I mean utilized by the 
by being able to be a valuable part of the of the locker room as far as teaching. If you have young guys that need direction, young guys that just need to be slowed down, young guys that need to be, you know, just kind of smartened up on a few things. I'm that guy, and I, I have the patience nowadays to do it. I've stuck with professional wrestling this long because I enjoy teaching. It's not because I, you know, have these aspirations of being a superstar or I need the, you know, the uh, accolades from people that, you know, I don't really know. I don't need all that. I just kind of like to be around to, uh, the thing is, if, if, if we don't leave wrestling any better than we found it, then we really didn't contribute much to wrestling. So, well, guys, he is the last great hope for professional wrestling. Joey Corman, check him out. Joey, thanks again for joining us. It's always a pleasure having you on. You were one of our favorite guests to have on because you, your insight, man, your your knowledge of the business, and you're just a pretty cool guy. And we appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, man. You guys just make sure that you send my retainer to my agent. Of course. That way we can take care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other than that, yeah, man, thanks, guys. Events coming up, MSW, February 22nd, Salem Springs on the border of Arkansas and Oklahoma. March 7th, they're going to be in Harrison, Arkansas. March 28th in Springfield, Missouri. Get your tickets at mswtickets.com or 858-848-SLAM. I think that about wraps it up. We want to thank Joey Corman for joining us this evening. Again, I am Nathan Rogers. He is David McBee. We thank you for listening. Go buy your new T-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. What what T-shirt is that, by the way? Big things come in small packages. Man, you got to get your big thing coming small packages shirt. I think that is definitely the hottest thing going today. Uh, they got to check it out. Yeah, I'm sure you got pictures of that on the Slot Drop Facebook page for people uh, to check out, right? Of course. Hey, also get well soon to Miranda Gordy, who has the flu right now. Well, the Bad Street Beauty. Uh, we hope she gets well soon because uh, I think she's planning on was going to work some of those MSW shows. A lot coming up. In March, I think they got a show in Harrison and a show in Springfield coming up in March. So, MSW going on the road. They're everywhere. Hey, check us out. Facebook, Twitter, we're there. Anywhere there's a podcast, we're there. Share us, like us, tell your friends about us. Uh, I think that about wraps it up, man. Karate. Till next time, we're out of here. Goodbye and good night. One, two, three.